Hello and welcome to Northeast Christian Church online service. We are so happy to have you with us. Please be sure to follow NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to all our past messages, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the service. You know what? I find life is easier when you just laugh at yourself. Every once in a while, you can laugh at someone else, too. But, you know, as long as it's not at their expense, it's okay. There we go. Test one, two. Test one, two. Boom. Uh, I, we are on our series about Luke. And we, as we always do, have been going through books of the Bible because we want God to speak for himself. We don't want a church built on a person's personality or uh, witty quibs and quotes. And then in your desperate hour, when you're alone, it's only you and Jesus and you need to hear from God, you know where to turn. And so that's, that's, that's why we do what we do. And whenever we feel inspired um, that God has something prophetic or specific to speak to us, we'll go out of our way and we'll change it because we're listening to him. Uh, seriously, clearly our worship leader is listening to him. Wouldn't you agree with that one? And the, the quality of what God's been doing. If you, you came in this morning and you didn't get one of the handouts, uh, I'd encourage you, if you're online watching, and thank you for those of us joining this morning, we have... Uh, two to drop in there, but the only one I'd ask you to drop in there first for now, uh, media team, would be this one, the lessons from the fig tree. And that's, that's really what I want to speak with you today, is lessons from the fig tree. When you leave, I have another handout for you. This is just a geeky thing that I do. My area of concentration and expertise is Second Temple Judaism, first century Christianity. And this is one of my professors wrote took all the stuff outside of the Bible that talks about Pontius Pilate from Josephus to whatever and put it into a handout. But I didn't want to give you this because then the whole time you'd be looking at this for those of you that are like history channel nerds. And uh, this is available as you leave. We'll have them on a table in the middle of the foyer as you go. But if you didn't get one of these and you raise your hand, we can get the, the team to give it to you. Otherwise, if you're online, you can click that button and do it. But we are going to be talking about lessons from the fig tree. And uh, before I do that, uh, I had a video I was going to play for you. Uh, you know how I was, uh, I, I teased my son about, you know, I'd, I'd love, he'd be my favorite son if he played an instrument. Um, I made him a promise that I wouldn't play a video clip, but how many of you have ever seen that movie Interstellar? Do you know the clip where he's going through space and they're like, din, 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 din. my son just picked that up and played it. I, so I just want you to understand he, he does play an instrument. And I do love both of my sons equally. And uh, he's an incredibly gifted musician. But uh, at his request, I, I'm just not going to play that because he's, he's humble as he is, you know. We're going we're gonna to do that. But Drew, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of both. And... Uh, Pro presenter is not connecting right now for me for some reason. So uh, why don't we do this? If you could play the workday and get ready to hit play for the workday in a second. But yesterday we had our church workday. I know some of you have children. Some of you have jobs. Some of you have hard weeks and you just say, I'd love to help the church. But I, I want you to know at any time you're welcome to come here and do stuff. We do need have need for somebody to take a, a Sawzall, which I actually happen to have with me today that would, there's a basketball hoop that ha, is a metal thing, and we, we just need somebody to take that and the metal blades and cut it down and throw it in the, in the dumpster. But 
Uh, I just want to show you real quick just some of the great things that happened. Doesn't the grounds look, don't the grounds look beautiful? Like mulched and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. There were there were kids there. Kwaku, uh, Kwame, Yossi. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. All the provost clan, brood, spawn, whatever they are. Um, they were here and uh, so many of you, but if you hit play on that, let's do that and just show everybody what happened. I just want to say thank you to every single one of you that helped. It was just great. I am trying to reconnect manually. Uh, Thomas, I, I'm just going to yell up to you. It says Pro Presenter 7654. What one is Pro Presenter? Pro Presenter 7654. Okay. Oh, it's asking me for IP addresses and stuff, so. We're not going to do that. If you put up, just put up the sign where, yeah, thank you very much. I want to talk to you today about lessons from the fig tree. This comes from our uh, Gospel of Luke. This kind of looks like the house, huh, honey? <laughs> I get in so much trouble for laundry, it's not even funny. And my wife is a saint of laundry. She is. Thank you very much. Uh, how many of you like figs? All right. So, um, you know what, Pastor Dylan, just because you're there, I'm just going to do this, but uh, if you'd come over, if you would put on the Michael Jackson edition glove, just one. Yep. All right. These are actually figs, dried figs. How many of you have ever eaten dried figs? Yeah. So, uh, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like Pastor Dylan to take this and just go to a couple of people with the microphone, and if you would ask them to just describe how a fig tastes. If you like it, you know. Listen, by the way, if you're allergic to figs, we're not responsible. If you find out you're allergic to figs, sure, your, your fault. Thank you. All right, right. It's <laughs> pretty excited, huh? The Hunger Games. May the odds be ever in your favor. I do eat everything. <laughs> I might be biased. My, what microphone? It's the handheld. Turn that thing up, please. It's, 
Crunchy inside. Crunchy inside? Crunchy inside. Okay. Does it taste sweet or sour or raisiny or? It tastes like nothing. <laughs> Let's all try that. Uh, as somebody else want to try one of those figs. Any fig fans out there? Yeah, you got to run with the microphone in that thing real quick. There we go. Go ahead. Try that. What do we got? It's definitely sweet. It's sweet. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. That's all we're going to do with it. Is there anybody that wants this bag of organic figs? Anybody that would want it? It wouldn't get wasted with you? Okay, good. Thank you for being that victim. It tastes like nothing and sweet. I guess it just about, do you have, do you have COVID by any chance? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, well, listen, you guys, you, is this, you can mute this one. I'm just going to sit down so it don't clank. Too late. All right. Um, you can keep your figs and your drive figs. I got Fig Newtons. And uh, I saw your hand up for, for a fig earlier, but let me toss this to you. I saw somebody start to raise it. Joe, is that you, bro? Here it comes. Hoop. All right, this is the church. I ain't coming to get hit, hit three times in this church. Mimi, where are you, you sweetheart, you? Oh, okay, you know what? Good, Alicia, come here real quick. We have, we have these, they're not for you to take home to your kids. In fact, no kids get to eat these. I'm sick of giving them all the candy. Why don't we get the candy, right? Yeah, let's start a revolution. But let's put this at the visitor center. As you're leaving, if you, how many of you have fond memories of grandma and, and cookies, right? Mm. Just put them at the visitor center and as you're going, just grab one of those. There's a, I just want to return the fig experience to you because if this is all we have of it, my goodness, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> By the way, on a serious note, um, I've been asked by Mimi, Linda, who does our cleaning and the staff, if uh, as adults, you guys have been coming in here, and sometimes it's kids or whatever, but s some people keep eating in the sanctuary and leaving a mess. And if you could just not eat in here. Now, as, a, as far as it's concerned with drinking, we, we say bring your coffee. If you spill a coffee, and you let us know, you can clean it up right away. It doesn't leave a stain. And uh, so we don't want to, you can leave your spill on the carpet, just don't leave your stain on the carpet. But for a season, if you would just hold, I don't know if somebody's eating like a happy meal in here or something, but this will be the last thing I eat in here for a while. <laughs> but I'm eating it. Jesus talks about figs. <laughs> he does. It's found in Luke. Chapter 13, turn there with me. If you're watching online or you're here, we're going to put it up there. But I just think it's so important for us to read God's word, um, whether it's digitally or physically. I personally physically keep the habit. That's how I started. But it doesn't matter. But that you know how to navigate it. It's so important. This is our life. This is our bread. This is our sustenance. And God wants to speak into our life for it. It's coming from Luke chapter 13, and I'm going to start at verse 6. It's a parable. One story, one point. Jesus says this, and we have it on the screen here too. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit. On, the, on it he found none. 
And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. When should it, why should it use up this ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone for this year also until I dig around it and put manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well, uh, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Lessons from the fig tree. Um, we have palm trees here, right? But this will do, sorry. This was here for decor. This wasn't part of my prop, but I just acquired it. So a fig tree, believe it or not, could get pretty huge, but it starts out pretty small. And it takes, just to give you some facts about fig trees, it takes about three to five years before it starts producing the figs, and it's really just these bulbs that pop on it. The leaves are huge. In fact, if you've ever read the story of Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve use the fig leaves to cover themselves up because they're so huge, but the fruit is so small. Um, in the, this, here's something that's very interesting about a fig tree. Uh, because this isn't a part of our world, right? How many of you have fig trees growing in your neighborhood? We, we just don't. Fig trees are one of the only fruit that the figs are produced first and then the leaves follow afterwards. Isn't that weird? But it's really important because when the man goes to look at the fig tree or down the road in the Gospels where Jesus curses the fig tree, it always says that it has leaves on it. It's not like they're not being reasonable. They're coming in. Time has passed. There should be fruit on there before there are leaves, but if there's no fruit on it when there are leaves, uh, it's not like somebody plucked it off because it's in this man's vineyard, so we know that people aren't hoarding it. It should be there, but it's not. And he's been looking for three years. Now, I don't know if he just planted the tree and he's waited for it to start producing and he was unreasonable. Chances are it had been there for three years and he waited three years for the thing to produce fruit. But the problem is, is that he had a moment where he finally said, listen, this is, this is frustrating. I planted this and it has one purpose only and that's to produce figs, to produce fruit. It's not producing fruit. All it's doing is taking up space. And when it comes to figs and it comes to our life, I think it's important for us to understand that it is God's will that we produce fruit. In fact, the purpose of our life is to produce fruit for God. And I don't want to be a fig tree. I'd rather be like a grape vineyard or something if I can pick it. But really, Jesus is using the story of the fig tree and the parable of the fig as basically a picture of you and I. Now, another interesting thing about figs is, is that when they grow, they're really stubborn with ripening. And so what you can do to speed the process up, Amos the prophet says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep herder and a sycamore fig dresser. It wasn't like he was talking about like, clothing or the thing you put your clothing into. It's literally a Hebrew word that means that he would go around and give a little nick on the fruit and that cut would cause it to ripen and become sweet faster. In fact, if I never knew anything about plants or planting until I met my wife. 
And our, my yard is a concert of color. She is the greatest gardenist in the, in the universe, man. Um, there'd be stuff growing off of me if she could plant it. It's, and, and I would look much better than I do. But what happens is, is when a plant is left to itself, it pushes all of its growth hormones up to the top so that it can keep reaching and reaching and reaching in different directions. And so in order to prevent that from happening, the, what, what happens as a result of that is, is instead of it pushing out fruit, or in the case of like a hydrangea bush, flowers, it steals the energy that's needed for doing what makes it beautiful and doing what it's supposed to do is to fruit or flower. So what you do is, is you prune, you find all those little extra growth spots. I'll never forget there was a hydrangea bush in our house where we are now, and there were a whole bunch of green shoots sticking up all over it. And I don't know if you even remember this, but you looked at it, died, and you said, uh-uh. That's all she said. And she came back, and then she was like, snip, snip, snip. And I'm like, you're killing the thing, you know? Like, go easy. Snip, snip. She's like, nope. She goes, watch what happens. And I'm telling you, it must have been, I'd say a week, but maybe it was like a, a, a few weeks later, the entire thing just kaboom, exploded with flowers. Why? Because it was doing what plants and even people tend to do, it pushes for growth and uses all of its energy to grow. But the problem is, is that sometimes it does it in the wrong direction. It's only 24 hours in a day. There's only so much energy that I have in my days. And the question I have to ask myself is, is where am I going to give my strength? Where am I going to give my life? Where am I going to give my focus? because my focus becomes my reality. And what I do have, if I'm putting it in directions for me, myself, and I, I will never be and do and become what God intends me to be without intentionality. Our purpose is to bloom with the character of Jesus Christ. I mean, picture a tree tail, right? What happened to my water that was here? Oh, over there. How did it get there? Who drank out of that? <laughs> Ethan? <laughs> Let's just pretend I'm a fig tree. Two things you need for fruitfulness, right? Number one, sunlight. <sighs> Number two, water. Now, I'm taking in the two things that I need, light, water, but now I have a choice. I, if I am left to myself, I'm going to begin to take all of that good that's coming into my life, and I'm going to begin to do what plants do, is try to extend my reach too far beyond my fruitfulness, and I'm going to start growing. And so what does God do? He sends in the vine dresser, in this parable, he calls him the vine dresser, but he's really the, the pruner, and this is what Amos did. And I don't want to cut any of these because I'll just kill this thing. I want this to be up here for Palm Sunday, but he starts clipping away, and any of you, by the way, there's some stuff that needs to be pruned at church, and if anybody feels the call, you could use this and, you know, just, just kidding. Um, no, I'm not. So think about that. It's kind of... Not figs in our world are about 
like Fig Newtons at most. Maybe if you go to Whole Foods, you're doing this action, but we don't see them grow. But this is all about the process. And Jesus is a genius in picking this to make this point because in their world, they knew exactly what he was talking about. He's looking at this tree and he's saying, you have a purpose. I have an expectation on you. Um, most of what we sung today and many of the beautiful things that God's been doing in worship these past few weeks have been very selfless on God's part. He's come in and touched us with his love. He's brought, there was such a sweet presence in here. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have an expectation on you. That doesn't mean that your life isn't the purpose that you pick, but that perhaps God has a purpose for your life. And the question would be is, is am I missing that purpose because I'm just simply taking in the light, drinking in the water, and just sitting there, but allowing myself to be to myself without God and not allowing him to prune those areas in my life that are actually wasting the purpose with which he created me. He, in order to really understand this parable, we've got to actually go back. I always say this to you. If you're reading the Bible and God speaks to you when you're reading that, or let me rephrase that. When you read your Bible and God begins to speak to you, read, the, read a little bit before and a little bit after because sometimes it frames it, but jump with me. We're going to go back literally a few verses and why Jesus told this parable. Look at this. Verse 6. Verse 6. It's going to be in two parts. He told this parable, a man... Oh, sorry. Duh. <laughs> Beat and repeat. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them and said, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? because they suffered in this way. Look at me real quick. That Pilate handout that I gave you is going to show you that Pilate is probably the most sadistic, twisted, maniacal human being ever to rule over people. And uh, it's, it's just disgusting when you see what kind of person he really was. When he says, my hands are clean, I see no reason. The reason why he handed Jesus over to be crucified is this, the people said, if anybody says that they're a king, they're no friend of Caesar. He was worried about that because he wanted to promote himself. So he hands Jesus over to ensure that he doesn't become an enemy of the state. But he didn't care about Jesus. He, he didn't care about the Jewish people. He's the only ruler in Judea ever to put pagan symbols and on the coin. And he did it on purpose it's because he was forcing the Jewish people to handle this stuff. He was just a, tw a sick, twisted guy. But this is the only place we hear this story that apparently he, he, there, were, there were a group of these guys, the, Gal, the Galileans, and Ga when you say Galilee in the Bible, these are like the Scottish of the North. These are the, the, the rebels, the revolutionaries. They were known for being cutthroat killers. They were known for wanting to start a revolution and a war against Rome. Every other year, they had a new revolutionary leader that was rising up. And in fact, the reason Jesus was crucified is because the sign that was over his head said, King of the Jews. They were able to take that, that title he had that he said he was a king. And if you said you were king, you were saying Caesar is not, which was punishable by death. But all of the people coming out of Galilee where Jesus came from, they were revolutionaries. And Pilate decides he's going to make an example of them. And so what does he do? He goes to the temple 
and he takes the sacrifices that they were about to present, he has them put to death, and he mingles their blood with the blood of the animals and offers it up. I mean, think about the sadisticness of that. Now, when you think of that, it wasn't for no reason because these men were murderers. They were known for walking up to people and just pulling out a knife in a crowd, stabbing them a couple of times, putting it in and saying, somebody help, please help. They, they were murderers. They were murderers. The Greek words lestai, in fact, when Jesus is crucified on the cross, it says that he was crucified with two thieves, one to the left and to the right. That's a bad translation. It actually is that word lestai, which means murderous revolutionary, which the Galilee was known for. He uses his first example and he says, do you think that wicked, evil people deserve to be punished? Do you think that these guys, in fact, how it's read right here, it says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all of them? There might have been a few people in the crowd that would have said, yeah, they were pretty bad. In fact, we do this all the time in the gospel of, I'm a good person. You ever hear that? You know what? I'm a good, I'm a good person. If I compare myself to Adolf Hitler, I am a great person. If I compare myself to uh, Bundy, Ted Bundy, I'm a great person. And so Jesus starts off with the worst example, and he says, do you think these guys were any worse than anyone else? You know, this is really bad what Pilate did, but Pilate's bad. But do, <laughs> do you think that these guys were, were wicked? And he says, I tell you the truth. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He just threw them right next to Ted Bundy, Adolf Hitler, and says, you're no better. You see, we have this thing in our world. It's really a perversion of what an understanding of the grace of God is all about. Is as we compare ourselves with people and we say, well, at least I'm not like that person, or I'm not that bad of a person no, you're, you know what? I'm not as bad as everybody says I am, but I am definitely not as good as I think I am. And Jesus throws that parable out and he says, what about this one? And he says, let me, let me tell you another joke. And here he reads it off and he gives a different example. He says, no, he says, or 18 now on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. In, in maybe you remember the pool of Siloam where the man, Jesus put mud on his eyes. He said, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And he, and he sees, I was blind, but now I see. Well, right there used to be a tower and there were 18 people hanging out one day. And uh, it figures the guys cut cheap on the concrete and mortar and the thing just fell down. Boom, instantly killed 18 Jewish people who had traveled to Jerusalem to worship. It's almost like saying 18 people on a church bus parked in front of a water tower. The water tower fell over and killed them. They never made it to church. Um, oh my goodness, they didn't deserve that. And Jesus says this to him. He says, do you think that they were worse debtors than any or all of the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, but I tell you, unless you repent, you likewise will perish. What's he doing here? What he's doing is he's trying to get at that thing that says nobody gets to steal the glory of my grace by thinking that they're better than somebody else 
or they're not as bad as anyone else. He says to them, he says, listen, you were created for a fruitful purpose. But don't forget the fact that you are prone to sin. Look at, look at, how could I, how could I do this? I'm going to just jump around a little bit, but if you would just be patient with me. Take a, take a look at that rotten fruit slide, if you would, you know, we talk about the seven deadly sins. There's one slide in there that has those. I can't connect to it. You can keep going. We'll get there. Mmm. Tastes like nothing, COVID. <laughs> right there. There you go. Here are the seven deadly sins, right? I just thought it had been murder and heroin and prostitution no, no, I mean, those things fall into these categories, but the seven deadly f- sins of rotten fruit are things, oh my gosh, like, are you any better than those people? Definitely not. Think about greed. Greed is a subtle sin that says you're never really satisfied until you achieve your goal. And the truth of the matter is, is that you make yourself and everyone around you miserable, or you willingly hurt people all around you and bring misery on them to accomplish your selfish little greedy goalposts. Oh my gosh, it's gross the amount of times in my life that I've left a carnage of people behind when I crossed the finish line going, yeah, I did it, but at what cost? You see, people are the point. The way you treat people is the way you treat Jesus. And don't get me wrong, fruit has moments when it's growing where it's not really a good time to eat, and I'm not always as sweet as I ought to be, and I'm not really as uh, bountifully fruitful as I ought to be. I'm a work in process. You're a work in process. But the question is, is am I managing? Am I just soaking up the sun, drinking it in, and growing in all my directions, and paying no attention to that I need to force intentionally in my life fruitfulness, or I'm going to reach out in sinfulness and offend God and hurt others and disqualify myself. And then I end up taking up space and Jesus comes along and says, that fruit tree is supposed to be producing fruit and I'm going to dig it up and throw it out. And the guy says, just give me one more year. Aren't you grateful for Jesus that he steps in and he says, just give me another chance. Just give me another chance. I'll throw manure on it. But think about slothfulness, not willing to exhaust yourself to do the work that produces results and fruit. So you reside your life to the quid pro quo, the status quo. Or wrath, right? I just need to say two words, and then that sums it up. We'll move on to the next one. Will Smith, that's it. <laughs> Envy. You know what? Envy and jealousy are different. You know what envy is? And jealousy? Jealousy is wanting something that somebody else has. If you want the exact thing that somebody else has, like their wife, their house, that's called covetousness. But envy is not that you want what that person has. You want to make sure they're not happy with what they've got. That's gross. And I think of the times in my life where I was envious of somebody else. 
And if I'm just soaking in the light, drinking in, and not being intentional with my life, I produce rotten fruit like this. And I miss everything that God has for me. I got to tell a story because it actually, I, I, I kind of didn't really go public with this story, but it's a really cool story. Can I tell it? So we took about 12 people to Nashville, Tennessee on a conference. This is a true story. While we were at the conference, the ladies were shopping. We take you shopping when you go to a conference. So I sit outside and I'm just kind of like people watching. They've got, they're selling like pot on the street now. Like you've got your, your, your THC vendor, you know, you can get them in gummies. And I'm just watching and I'm just laughing. I'm like, my gosh, I had friends that did time for that stuff. And now they're selling it in gummy bears. And so uh, as I'm watching that, I look to my left and there is a man, a full grown man, pounding woman's head into the concrete pounding it. And I think it's like three steps away from he's going to split her head wide open. I mean, he's full throttle. Something in me snaps. Now, I look like a Dunkin' Donut poster boy, and I know that there's no particular reason why. But my whole life, I've actually done martial arts. And the one that I've done the most of in recent years was judo, which is called the gentle art. This guy, as he's got this woman and he's pounding her head in the ground, he turns around and there are five guards trying to get control of him. And he takes all five of them down to the ground. He has one underneath him. He's got another by the throat. He's got another by the ankle. And two of them that were in the fight stepped back in shock and they didn't know what to do. And truth, Mimi, are you here? Am I lying? Okay. I run up and I go, is, is, is past the time? <laughs> because ninja, de demon stomping, ninja killer is not a title. And so what do I do? I get behind the guy and I, I just do a particular judo move where you're able to get the two arteries that bring blood to the head. It doesn't hurt them. I push his head. In five seconds, he completely passes out. I watch the guy whose throat he has, he pulls away and breathes. The lady whose ankle he's almost breaking, she moves away. The person that's underneath runs, runs out. I hold it for a few more seconds, and then I let go, and I run back because I don't want him to see me because I don't want to get into a conflict with him. But what that does is it knocks somebody out, so it's almost like they're, they're like asleep. It's not uncommon for when somebody wakes up from that to say, what are you doing in my bedroom? Like, but he gets back up, he staggers, he runs away. The lady is screaming from the pounding in her head. I go up to the security guy and I go, are you guys okay? And he goes, thank you, we had no control of this guy. I felt like a hero. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I, no, no, seriously, one more time. I felt like a hero. I gotta let you do that, right? Because I'm a good guy, right? <laughs> but what I have to be honest with you is tell you about when, years ago, before I gave my life to Christ, and sometimes even after I gave my life to Christ, I wasn't a nice person. And I remember, kid, you know how when somebody's talking about your mom, nobody talks about your mom, right? So he talks about my mom, and I go there not for the purpose of trying to talk to him or anything, 
And I go there to totally hurt the kid. And he's standing up. And there are six stairs, and it's all concrete. And I just go up to him, and I go, bam, and I kick him. He flies through the air, lands on his back. And I do all the kind of like, yeah, that's right. You don't talk about my mom. And I'll never forget one of my friends that was there. And he goes, dude, he just found out his parents got divorced. Every single time I do one of those search me, oh gods, I have a handful of sins that come back to me that haunt me, but that one is one of them. A kid who was talking about my mom was just hurting because his mom was leaving his house. Do you think that I'm any less sinful than those people that had Pilate mix their blood with their sacrifices or that tower that fell on them? Or let me actually turn it out to you and ask the question, do you really think you're a good person? There's no one good except God. You see, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we all are a wreck, that we all are a work in process, that we all need people in our life in small groups and in get-togethers and more than just Sunday morning, not because it's a church program, but because we need people to go up to them and say, hey, I am really struggling with this thing in my life because the truth is, is we're always tempted to just kind of live our life like this and just grow in all kinds of stupid directions. But the truth of the matter is, here this morning, there are many of you that knew what it was like to sit in the glory and presence of God, to be used of God, and for years you've wasted your life because you've turned your attention inward and not upward and outward. And Jesus is looking at you, and he is saying, for three or so many years, I have looked for this tree to produce fruit. Dig it up and stop letting it waste the space. Don't waste your life. You were made to be fruitful. Go to that one on the fruit of the Spirit, would you? Look at this. Thank you for your patience. It's kind of different when you're able to click and click, and I have all my, like, go fast here, go loud there. But this is a great conversation because we were, we were made to be fruitful. Listen to this verse. Jesus said in John 15, 8, I think that's one of them. He says, by this, my father is glorified when you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Listen, fruit is proof that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And don't get me wrong, fruit takes time to grow. Fruit has its seasons. Fruit, fruitfulness has its work. It takes time. It means that you have to be, some of you here and some of us here, I keep saying you like I'm not a part of this, but, but every single one of us here, the problem is, is that you don't like the pain of pruning. And so you have so insulated your life that you've learned how to say to God, I love you, it's cool, but I'm not willing to suffer and hurt in order for change to happen in my life. You see, you don't have 
a violence problem, you have a wrath problem. You don't have a drug problem, you have a gluttony problem. You would rather drown out your sin with a substance than allow God to prune out the stuff that's causing you to turn to it. You don't have a hoarding problem, you have a greed problem, and you're stockpiling thinking that stuff and things are gonna bring you happiness, and you'll never have enough. And you refuse to let God use these things on you because it hurts too much. Can I just tell you, it hurts, but it hurts so good, and when you allow him to do that, and he begins to cut back the growth in your life, you begin to pull yourself in, and then all of a sudden you begin to fulfill the purpose with which God made you, and that is to be fruitful. Galatians says it like this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And the problem, I believe, with the 21st century church and how ineffective we are in comparison to the church in India or to the church in Africa or to the church in in. Uh, Brazil or Latin America, the reason we have become ineffective is because we have not allowed God to have his work of fruitfulness with us because it requires that we crucify our flesh. And the American church is one of the most carnal churches in, in the world today. And that hurts because of the heritage that we've had, but we've got to bring that in closer because Jesus was talking about one tree and ask ourselves an honest question, am I a carnal person? Do I have more of the works of the flesh at work in my life? Or am I intentionally allowing God to work in me to make me be and become the person that he's purposed me to be? You see, you were made with purpose. You have a purpose. That's one of the reasons why we exist as a church is to help you, first of all, to know who God is. He, and he loves you and he, he knows who you are, but he wants you to know who he is. We want you to help you find freedom, not just from drugs, but from carnality, from self-centeredness, from all of those kind of things. But beyond that, you were born with a purpose. And to be fruitful, and that's different for every single one of us because God, if you, God made you an introvert, he wants you to be a fruitful introvert. He doesn't want you to become an extrovert. If God made you a talker, he doesn't want to make you quiet. He wants to reel in the carnality of you, who you are as a talker and begin to push out the fruitfulness of a godly talker. He doesn't want to make you uh, uh, hide behind the scenes if you're a person that likes to shine in public, but he wants to take your pride and your self-centeredness away and your self-serving away from that and begin to say, hey, wait a second, this isn't about my life, my comfort, my stuff, my things, but this is about my God, his kingdom, his glory, and his purpose for my life. In the day-to-day, -day, you see, it, what I'm talking about here is not going into ministry. I'm talking about you living your life with godly spiritual intentionality day-to-day, -day, owning and admitting when you're not that person you ought to be which is just equally a part of pruning, right? But then a fruit tree doesn't sit there and go, <laughs> that'd just be gross, huh? Let me have a fig. Imagine figs grew on people like that. It doesn't concentrate 
on producing fruit. The fruit just comes naturally when it's mindful that its purpose is not just simply to soak in the sun and drink in the water, but to stop wasting growth in directions. We waste so much of our life. We waste so much of our time. We waste so much of our money. We waste so much of our love. We waste so much of our forgiveness. We waste so much, we withhold so much. But I, here's the thing about the fruit of the Spirit. I, I've come to realize you have to choose it. You see, in this church, we have a saying that you need to choose joy. We get this from another church that, that's just a beautiful place. But the message here is really what God says is, you want to have joy in your life? You're just waiting for your problems to go away. That's not going to happen. Problems of Jesus said that, 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 you know, in this world, you'll have many troubles. Your problems are not going away. Your difficulties aren't going away. And what you do is, is you get mad because, and you get wrath because things don't go your way. They don't happen the way you want. They don't happen in the time you want. And so you feel that you have the right to take your frustration out on everybody that's around you. But the Bible says that we should choose joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But we need to choose joy. We need to choose it. I'm going to say, you know what? And I mean, it's not that we lie to ourselves, but we catch ourselves. When we're about to blast out with bitterness, we reel ourselves in and say, no, that's growth in a wrong direction. But what I need to do is choose joy. And I'm going to be like, you know what? Didn't get it this time, but next time I will. Didn't quite go the way it planned, but I'm definitely happy that it's better than, than what I thought it would be. That's how you choose joy. And I mean, you could, you could do that with Choosing love versus hate. Choosing self-control versus copping out. Choosing letting go instead of holding on. Taking all of that that God intended for your life and turning it into the right direction. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as I close, I just, I think there's a, there's a beautiful truth here. Amos, he said, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet, but the Lord called me to prophesy. I was actually tending sheep, and I would go around, and I would take care of fig trees. He was the guy that was snipping them back, and he was the guy that was nicking them to speed up the process. And I think in some ways, we're the keeper of our own lives. Yeah, we're, we're our brother's keeper too, but... How intentional are you with your life? Is church something that, you know, we, we, we just, and trust me, being in ministry, I'm not exempt from this. I can go through a whole week and just do the motions, but not be intentional in the way of asking myself, like, how am I, is my carnality out of control? Like, we're not just talking about, like, the devil possessing someone and going, Aah! you know, I mean, like, forget that. He, he, we do way worse damage than he ever does with our self-centeredness, our gluttony, our envy, our slothfulness, our, our, all of those things. It takes work. It takes crucifixion work. It, it takes, too, you know, the other part of this is that some of you, and maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here in church, and for the longest time, you haven't even been in sunlight. And you haven't been drinking in what is really right for your life. And you're passing all that on to your kids. And we wonder why we have, right now in America, the least reached generation in the history of America. 
because we thought that we didn't have any responsibility on us anymore. We made God an option. We made character an option instead of making Christ-likeness a priority. It's an embarrassing confession, but it makes the point here. This is a straight-edge razor, and you're supposed to hold it like this. And so there was this show that my son was watching, and he told me, Dad, you got to check out the show. You know, it's like Scottish history and all that. And so in one part, this, this man's shaving it with a straight-edge razor, and he goes, this has been in my father's father's, been my family for years. My great-great-grandfather used this razor. So I'm like, cool. And then I did online check. I'm like, 20 bucks for the razor, 100 blades. Man, Gillette, forget it. Bye-bye. I'm going straight edge. Look at what happened to my face. You might be wondering if I got in a fight with a cat. Can you see it? <laughs> this is really embarrassing. That isn't even on my face. <laughs> I was just like, ow! And then Ethan walks in the other room and he says, let me check it. And he comes back, he goes, yeah, it works pretty good. I'm like, oh man, my kid can even do this better than me. Sometimes your kids can do it better than you, looking like Jesus. I don't want you here this morning thinking to yourself that God's looking for you to be perfect and you have an eviction notice on your life that he's about to dig you and ditch you. On the other hand, some of you have played with God's patience about as long as he's going to wait with you. And we can't miss the warning that this passage has. Time is of the essence. He's ready to ditch the tree. And Jesus, the master, the vine dresser, comes in and says, please, give me just one more year. Still, if we have that intercession on our behalf, time is still not on your side. See, I think I'm actually talking to more of you who know Jesus than those of you who don't. That's what this message is for. You know what? The word repent, we leave that for the drug addicts and the prostitutes, and yet Jesus says drug addicts, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven before you. I have a friend who writes a post. It's called Honest to God. And in it, he just has made being a minister and being a Christian so human, but I think some of us need to get honest with God. Some of us need to have a fruitfulness conversation. Some of us need to say, Lord, I've placed myself in a dark room, and the reason I've been in there is because I don't want some of the things I've done to be seen in the light. Lord, I've removed the right for you to prune me because I didn't like the pain of what it is to live a crucified life. But as a result of it, I've lost my flowering and my fruitfulness, that thing where people used to look at you and say, there's something about you. People don't say that about you anymore. There's something different about you. There's just, I can't, people don't say that about you anymore. And you spend more time praying for your kids and worrying for them. I think it's time that we have an honest conversation with God. And here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. It's really a holy moment. It's a conversation, just like the song part of service, that we'd find a place with God. I don't know your stuff, and nor, nor do I need to. And if you do need help, we have a counseling department, and they're there to walk through the journey. Where I'm concerned with as a pastor is, is that you're 
you're opening up that dialogue with Jesus and saying, God, whether it's the pruning, whether it's, or you could be somebody that's saying, Lord, I want to be as fruitful as I can for you. My life has been so disappointing. I've made all the choices I want and it's still disappointing. You know why? Because you're missing the purpose of why God made you. It's to be fruitful. It's to be a basket of sweetness to the world around us. And our fruit's not always in season. And it's a process. And it requires nicks. But you have to invite and intercede on behalf of your life to your God. To allow him to do that. And that's what this is going to be. It's going to be a very quiet closing to service. And my invitation to you is, is that you come forward and you'd find a place in space. And my thought is this, that we wouldn't go around praying for each other. You say, well, why? Because sometimes there are holy moment conversations that we're trying to have with God. That's just us. You see, I can't make your choices for you. I can't change the course of your life for you. And we're going to believe that this conversation will do more than 10 people praying for you because you're going to make a resolution here. God, I'm ready to become fruitful again. And whatever that means, I'll do it. So as I pray, I invite you to rise to your feet, not think about it, not worry about it. Maybe you're not even feeling it. Sometimes it's good to try something, but that you would find space here. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we turn this room, but specifically this front area, this altar, into a holy one-on-one -on -one with you. Lord, we make the move of intentionality towards you. Because if we take one step, you'll close the distance with one of yours. Lord, it is your will that we be fruitful and show to so that we are your disciples. And so, Lord, if we've known about you, but we've never followed you, this morning we commit our life to you. We say, become our Lord, Lord of our life, Lord of our fruit. If we have wandered into dark spaces or have taken away permission for you to prune us, Lord, we invite you back again. Lord, give us another year. Give us another chance. Make us the people and the purpose that you intended our life to be sweet and beautiful to a bitter and ugly world. Help me to show what Jesus looks like in your name. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to listen to all our messages on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And follow us on ne-cc.org for all information and updates. Thank you. God bless. Have a great day.